we want to go now to this story about David we've been talking about because if, if ever a service has been, the groundwork and foundation has been laid for the message, it's this service right here, right now. And God's got something even more in store for us uh, by the end of this. But David has kind of gotten to a place where things are settled somewhat. And he's gone on a couple of battles after seeking the Lord to take care of the Philistines. And now he's uh, at, at home or his home. And he has a desire. See, the whole time his father-in-law Saul was pursuing him, Saul was not pursuing God. You know, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. A lot of people think that's just about money, but God speaks loud when he speaks. And Saul was so hung up on his pride and the fact that the kingdom was now taken from him that he didn't take any time pursuing God and he forgot about the Ark of the Covenant and kind of pushed it to the side because he wanted to kill David that bad. And David is now in this place where it's somewhat settled, but he, he realizes that, that the, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And, and he understood that it had been neglected, and he wanted to get it back, and he wanted to put it in its proper place. And so it was in the house of a man by the name of, uh, of Abinadab. And so David went to go get the ark with, with uh, some, uh, a great number of people. Uh, he went to go get the ark, and they had built a cart and put it on the ark. And when they put it on the cart, they began to move the cart. Uh, two men by the name of Ahio and Uzzah, which were the sons of Abinadab. And as they moved and transported the ark, uh, one of the oxen stumbled and the ark uh, of the covenant started to fall. And then Uzzah reached out to grab the ark of the covenant and it angered God, the Bible says, and God struck him dead right then and there. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of that's kind of a uh, stiff, isn't it? No, it's not at all. When you understand that a long time prior to that, David knew this, by the way, that when God instituted the Ark of the Covenant and it being assembled and put it put together, while it was being made, there were gold rings that were placed on the on the corners of this of this box we'll call it a box so you can get a, a quick understanding of it and poles dipped in gold were made that went through the rings on both sides and the ark of the covenant was not to be transported like some kind of earthly good on a on a cart but it was to be transported only by priests chosen by God and you see folks let me just go ahead and tell you there is a way that seems right unto man that it's casual, it's okay, it really doesn't matter as long as it's getting done. But the end of that way is destruction. And I just gave you scripture that pretty much just says what I just told you. And it, it, it does matter how you approach God. It matters how you wear the name Jesus Christ. 
It matters what you do with this temple, this, this ark, this temple, it matters. And so David got, he got mad, but he got scared at the same time. And then he went back uh, and he wouldn't move it no more. And so the ark resided in another man's house for a period of three months. His name was Obed-Edom. And the whole time the ark was in his house, the Bible says that God blessed him and everything about him. When the presence of God is in your house, all you have to do is stand still and see the salvation of God. Because God will bless you when you let him in your house. And so Obed-Edom had no problem. The Ark of the Covenant could stay in his house indefinitely because it was God Almighty sitting in the living room. And when God is there, there is no lack, there is no need, there is no fear, there is no worry, there is no doubt. When God is there, that all can't stay around. And so David had got wind of this. And he heard all about it. He said, <laughs> if God's blessing Obed-Edom because it's in his house, we're going to get the ark. But see, David had about 90 days to, to rethink the way he was approaching God. He had time to realize, you know, this is not just any kind of God we're talking about. This is not just a random God that's been made, although the ark was used to be assembled by the hands of, uh, of earthly men, it was God that was calling for everything from dimensions to, to the material to make it and how to go about treating it. David said, so I know what God requires and what God demands, and we're going to get because not only do I want the blessings of God, I just miss being in the presence of God. So the Bible tells us, in 1 Chronicles, it's, this story is actually told in 1 Chronicles 15 and 2 Samuel 6. But we're going to read out of both of those and we're going to go to the 15th chapter beginning with verse 1. So David, after all this took place, David built houses for himself in the city of David. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one, here you go, the lesson's already done been applied no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and the minister before him forever by the way child of God you're a peculiar people you're part of a chosen generation do you hear me you're not just a random old robot just some kind of measly human but you are a child of the Most High God that he saw enough to choose you and call you and adopt you. So you are great in the eyes of God or he wouldn't give you the time of day. Amen. And so verse 3 says, And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place which he had prepared for it. And then over down to verse 12, then he said, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, 
you and your brethren that you may bring up the ark of the Lord of God of Israel to the place I have prepared it. Verse 13 is important for because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. I've got to stop right for right here for a minute. And again, I want to say this, that folks, everything you do, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without cease. You need to go before God the Father before you make any kind of move in your life. Even when you're thinking a thought, you need to say, God, is this a pure thought from you? Should I pursue this? Should I invest my time or my energy or my money? God, is this from you or is this not of you? I need to know because when you don't consult God about every day of your life and everything you're going to say with your mouth or do with your feet or with your hand, man, you can see God break out and God will show you, listen, that's not the way we handle things in my family. So it matters how you do stuff, church. See, we're living in an age now where everybody has watered down the Bible so much. They've told this world and people are teaching all kinds of doctrines of devils. And people are telling people that all you got to do is just drive by a church pretty much. And you're okay. You don't matter how you live. We live in a different time. And it's a different standard. And that's the biggest lie you'll ever hear. Because the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and it will be tomorrow. If God broke out in anger back then, God... God still is a God of just now. He's a just God, and he gets very upset when people treat him like he's just some kind of celebrity on, in Hollywood. So it matters how you live. It matters how you love. It matters how you do everything that you do in your life. God cares, and God proved that he cared. And so they didn't do it the first time David told them. And they didn't consult God. They just thought, oh, this is just some old casual thing like we do during the week in our own spare time. So we'll just throw it up on this cart we built and we'll just take it on down there. God says, no, you, not, not, not me, not my presence you won't. And you know what I found out too? I know this in the church, in the body of Christ. There are things in our life that we will prioritize and we will handle them completely different than we do the things of God. Not quite as many amens that time. But it's the truth. Commandments. I'm just trying to stay where I'm supposed to stay today. But the Bible tells us way back to love the Lord your God with all. When you love something with all, you love it first. You love it instead of anybody and anything else. I'm telling you, we're on our way home, and this is all part of getting ready. Been doing it for many weeks around here now because I'm interested in going, and I'm interested in people that I see on a regular basis. Go with me. So we're just getting ready for the wedding day. That's all this boils down to. So it really, really, really matters what goes on in your life every day of your life until the trumpet sounds. So I want to just tell you, the priest in verse 14, 
and the Levites sanctified themselves. They didn't wait on the preacher to do it on Sunday. David says, no, you go do it. You work out. I'll preach the word when you come every week, but every day of your life, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to do that. The preacher can preach the word, and it's up to you what you do with the word. Just like it's up to me what I do with the word. So they sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Why is it so important, Opie? It's so important because we're talking about the presence of God. That's why it's so important. So, after they sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel and the children of uh, the Levites bore the ark, verse 15 says, of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. And then over in 2 Samuel verse 13 of chapter 6, after they did this, it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces with the ark of the covenant on their shoulders that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Verse 14 says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. It wasn't a quiet thing, folks. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, or Michal, Saul's daughter, which was David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. Hallelujah. Then he distributed among all the people among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meal, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. See, she was a hootie too, a lottie toss. She was all that. And she said, How glorious was the king of Israel today! uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servant as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She told David that. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. See, when you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, you ain't studying nobody else. You don't care about nobody. You're worshiping the Lord of heaven and earth. The God that breathed and brought man into existence. The God that said, let there be light. You don't care about nobody else. You hear me? You don't have any pride. Your pride is in the cross of Jesus Christ that allows you to worship a holy God. So David said, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. 
Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you've spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. You see, this is what God wants from you. And he's gotten a great deal of it already this morning. But he don't want it once in every four or five years in a good church service. From the time you wake up and your feet hit the floor in the morning, God is wanting to just dwell with you. God is wanting you to be in. But preacher, the Bible says the Lord will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And I'll talk about this in a minute, but I want to say this right now. God won't ever leave you or forsake. But see, when your mind is on everything else, you are not aware. The Lord was right here, the prophet said, and I didn't even know. You don't know he's there when you've got so much of the world in invading your life and your mind you don't know that he's right there so you can't enjoy him if you don't know that he's right here among you so this is kind of what it looks like it's like a crowded house you see inside of your house when you go in your house you see it's going to be you start to come home and you get your keys out and when you go into the your house you start to you, you, you finagle with the lock, and when you go in there, all of a sudden, you got depression going on, discouragement. You got distractions going on. You ain't got time to go to church or pray, and you got you just full of doubt and all that. And 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 there you are. It's so crowded with everything else inside of your house that the presence of the Lord. If, if the Lord was, was there redoing your carpet or wallpaper, you wouldn't know it because your house is slammed full of all kind of other things that we've allowed. But this is what you got to do. You got to realize the Lord is never very far from me. And you got to start praising in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. Devils have to leave. In the name of Jesus, I start praising Jesus, and I invite Jesus. While I'm sitting here, I'm worshiping Jesus, and I say, God, you are my forever. And the more I worship Jesus, the more Jesus gets into the room. And when Jesus gets into my house, all of a sudden, he's crowded my house with his presence, and there's no room for no more doubt or no more depression or no more discouragement because I'm here, and I'm I'm worshiping, I'm loving my Jesus, and I'm praying to him every day. I'm on my face, and I'm worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you do that, all hell just, de it despises that church, and it can't take that. And the, the, the devil has to leave, and here you are. Like Obed-Edom, God's blessing you with a song in the morning. God's blessing you, giving you peace that passes understanding and you could have been told the worst news of your life but it just ain't happening that way because God in all of his goodness is sitting in your house with you because you've invited him in you've invited him to come and just sit 
down with you. And that's what God's done. He's let you know. God has let you know that he's there. I'm good. You can cut them off. I'm good. I just want to tell you now, everybody in here could stand a good old afternoon or a good old morning or a good old week or a good old day or the good old to the rapture day or just a good old-fashioned dose of there ain't nothing in this house but Jesus and the praise of God and the adoration of the King of Kings, mighty God of Israel. Nothing else is in my house. Nothing else is in my car. Nothing else is in my mind but Jesus. And when you lift up Jesus, he said he'll draw. He will not only draw men but man he'll draw comfort he'll draw peace he'll draw prosperity he'll draw healing when you lift up Jesus but you've got to lift him up you are the priest of your house and you've got to sanctify yourself like the priest did because you're about to carry the presence of Jesus with you on your shoulders everywhere you go you can try religion. You can try doing it yourself, just throwing him on a cart, fitting him in on a devotion, or just listening to Caleb every now and then. You can do what you want to do, but you're not going to get what you can get when you get rid of everything and you do it right and you love him and you put him first. You put him right here and you're not ashamed of him. You don't care what Michael said. You don't care what your classmates say. You don't care if your spouse gets upset because you seem like a fanatic you are the bible says we are fools for christ's sake you've called me out and i'm proud of it hallelujah that's what god wants so many people have made this mistake many people have confused confused the person of god with the presence of god Many people talk about God just like they talk about the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. A lot of people talk about God, but they're talking about the person of God. You see, when you talk about the person of God, first of all, unless you are specific, I'm talking about the God of heaven and earth, the Father, the Son, and the Holy. See, there's all kind of gods out here. There's always been false gods man-made gods there's all these gods you got to be specific if you're going to talk about God and what better way to be specific than to be all sold out no room for nothing else but Jehovah after a while people will pick up that your house is full of the Lord and not full of anything else and they'll also figure it out that you are full of the Lord and you're not full of nothing else Before I'm in God's presence, there's three things real quick. The first thing, this is all what we've already read. We're going to look at it again real quick. First thing is we must make prior preparations for God's presence. That's what David did. He realized, and that, that's in back over in verse 1. David built houses for himself, and he prepared a place. You got to do that, church. You got to shut it off, cut it down. You got to cut it, cut it off, get rid of it. You got to do whatever you got to do. 
you got to make a place for God. Second thing is God's presence, and this is verse 2, same thing. God's presence requires holy reverence. And it can never be manipulated. It don't matter. It's just, it's just church. It's just praise and worship. It's just offering. It's just Wednesday night. It's just prayer. So you're manipulating that. You can't do that. Also, before you ever find yourself aware of God's presence, you must have a desire to see other people experience God's presence. That's what verse 3 was all about. David gathered all of Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark to its place, which he prepared for it. See, we've got to get to a place where we don't deny or ignore or reject or minimize the presence of God. We've got to compel people. Hey, man, you, I, I don't know about you or where you go, and I'm not talking about soliciting other people at other churches, but I'm just saying in the world, listen, I'm telling you that at the house of the Lord where I go, God is there. He's at my house where I live, but he's at the church where I worship. You got to go out here. People are hungry and thirst, thirsty for God. They don't have this anywhere else. They don't have what you have. They don't have what you can get and what you can give them. That's what David said. Oh, we're about to bring the presence of God into the city of David. I want everybody to be in on this. I don't want people to hear about it from somebody's Facebook post. I want them crammed in the room with me, man. I want them to get it firsthand. I want them to taste and see along with me that the Lord is good. So you got to do that. That's what you've got to do. You can't go at it alone. That's why you ought to fight tooth and nail every week before you show up on Wednesday or Sunday. Is there anybody I've left out? Do it. It's the most important thing you'll do. Do it. Fine. You need to bring somebody. When you do that, you make God smile because it shows God how hungry you are for him in the lives of other people. But after you've done that, now things are kind of heating up because when I'm in God's presence, the first thing is God will make you want to sacrifice. It was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he, David, sacrificed oxen and sheep. And David also said when he was about to be given a piece of land to make an offering to the Lord and he was going to be given the property for free, he said, no way. I will not offer God something that costs me nothing. And so David stopped six paces. He was so happy. When you are in the presence of the Lord because, see, he was there now. And the first thing it did, and this is kind of a, 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 a great lesson for all of us, the first thing it did, it made him want to sacrifice to God. He didn't have to evaluate what was in his pocket or what was on his calendar or anything or what was on TV or what was on anything else in the, in the world. He stopped and sacrificed because the presence of God made him want to do that. Second thing, God's presence will make you want to move. Verse 14 says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. David danced. I'm telling you, that's why people have, is everybody listening to me? 
because people have the, the person of God, a lot of Christian people, a lot of churches, a lot of denominations, they have the person of God confused with the presence of God. They think if they say God-sounding things, that they're talking about the presence of God. They're not. Because, see, there's no way. I was here during praise and worship today. When you're lifting up God, it'll make you dance. It will make you shout. It will make you raise your hands. It'll make you cry. It'll make you sing. It'll make you rejoice. That's the difference in just talking about the person of God compared to the presence of God you can't be still Jeremiah said it's like fire shut up in my bones the third thing God's presence will make you want to shout and sing that's verse 15 you can't watch people during praise and worship you can't go around your house just chanting all kind of mess that you heard on the news or you heard out in the public you'll walk around your house if God's in your house and you'll be singing and you'll be shouting to him you'll be calling his name out you'll be worshiping him you might say well I can't sing to other people you might be correct but I'm telling you to God you are a heavenly host when your mouth is filled with praise let the fruit of my lips bring forth the praise of God Next thing, not everyone, as in the case of Michael, not everyone has a desire to be in God's presence. A lot of people are just fine with boring church, predictable church, three songs of offering a prayer, a message, out. No more. Not, not telling you to wind it up, shut it down. There's some people sitting there with a rick-sized spoon. Give me more. Give me more. I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. Give me more, Lord. I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and you're filling me up, so I'm going to keep eating. The more I eat, the more he feels. Listen, not everybody wants the presence of God. A lot of people want to be politically correct. They want to be all of what she was. And I think Michael represents people that want to be dignified. I'm sorry. See, she was king's daughter. Nothing wrong with having a lot of money. Nothing wrong with a lot of people knowing who you are. There's nothing wrong with being good at what you do. But there is something wrong when it, it, when it interrupts you loving Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's all godless. It's all from hell, and it's a curse, and it's not a blessing. So I'm telling you, with my mouth will I make known. When I come into this church, yeah, I'm going to shout, and I'm going to preach. And, if I, and I'm going to cry. You know I'm going to cry. Oh, I'm crying now. I'm going to cry because just sometimes that's just how full it gets, and it just starts leaking out. But I tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stay anymore, anywhere where it's dead because when God's in the house, God makes himself known and you can't help it. Hallelujah. I got to hurry up. This right here might be a bump in the road, but we'll get over it quick. Number six says when you're in the presence of God, it'll make you want to give to God. And that's verse 17. I know that's hard for people that think they're taking money and materialistic things to heaven in the rapture. That's not the correct heaven. Because verse 17 says, so they brought the ark of the Lord. Now, he's already sacrificed. 
But verse 17 says, So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offering. That's like a free will offering. That's not like my tithe to the penny offering. That's just, uh-uh, I don't sacrifice. I don't worship man. I come with a headache. I come with stuff messed up at my house. I come, I'm, I'm, I can't even sing. I can't even talk this morning, but I'm praising God anyway. I've done sacrifice, but see, now, when you're in the presence of God, it's just automatically, I'm, I, I, I've got to give to God. But here's the other thing. When you're in the presence of God, it'll make you want to give to others. That's what he said in verse 18 when David finished offering to burnt offerings, peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, Women, men, everyone, a loaf of bread, a piece of meal, and a cake of bread. So all the people, they not only went home with something full in their heart. See, when you're living right, you'll make sure somebody goes home with something full in their hand. And that's what he did. And he didn't do it to try to muster up the presence of God. It was already there. That was a manifestation of the presence of God. It made him want to give. It made him want to love like God loves us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 through 18 says, but even to this day, and this is where the problem is, folks, not just a crowded room, but even to this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, now he's talking about Old Testament stuff in the law, but this is a current, right now, right before the rapture application. The veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. This is the people that just are person-only people. They're not interested in the presence of God. They have a veil there, you see. Now, there's some people that would try to put me before a, a firing squad right now. This is just like gnashing at them, uh, gnashing back at me with their teeth. Because people can't see. People can't see. People like comfortable, non-confrontational, convenient things. They don't like to be fools for Christ's sake. They don't want to dance in the street. They don't want to go out. They'll do it for ball games in the world. But God, for real, presence of God. Now, look, it's supposed to be dignified. Did, did I read anything dignified to y'all? Not, 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 uh, uh, uh. So, but even to this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, get your mind off of you and your ego and your pride and your doctrine and your image and your denomination, get it off of all that trash and get it on the Lord. This is what the Bible says. The veil shall be taken away. There's some people, they absolutely cannot worship the Lord in spirit and truth because there's a doctrinal veil covering that up that won't allow them to do it. But I got some hope right here. Now the Lord is that spirit. Not the person, but now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, we all, with open face, 
beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. You can't get too much, you see. Hallelujah. Because God will keep going when you'll keep going. Hallelujah. Glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we got a veil issue, you see. Today, stand up with me, if you will. Today, I want the veil to be gone out of the way of anybody and everybody that might be having veil issues or might be having a crowded room issue or a crowded mind issue. God can help you with that, but you got to do what David told the priest to do before you can be aware that God is here. And you can enjoy the presence. And I'm going to say the power of God along with the pleasures of God. You've got, to, you've got to sanctify yourself. God, I've been wrong. I've been going after my own flesh because this makes my flesh feel safe and good. And I'm going to be preaching about the Holy Ghost here in the next few weeks. By the way, just thought I'd throw that out there. And, and, and I'm repenting over all this, Lord. I've been trying to do it my own way. I've been trying to drive that car myself but now I'm repenting I want the veil gone I don't care about being dignified I don't care about being labeled I don't care about being blackballed I don't care about anything I want the veil gone Lord so that I can worship you the Lord in spirit and truth because where you are not just me talking about you in a vague way where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and you just don't care Hallelujah. Any person that's a sinner, I would, I, I would ask you and invite you right now to meet me at this altar. If you're online, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am wrong. I'm away from you. I'm on my way to hell, but I know there's blood. That was shed at Calvary so I could be saved. And I ask you to forgive me right now, Jesus. I'm going to need one of those books if I don't get saved today. Because when you come back, I'm going to be left. But I want that to change right now. And if you pray that prayer, the Lord will save you. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus. For any person that doesn't know you, they would know that there is room at that cross. And there is plenty of room to walk out of that empty grave, Lord. To walk the rest of their lives in victory. Hallelujah. And God, I pray that they would understand that all they have to do is just surrender. Not just their sins, but everything about them their confusion, their pride, their hurt, Lord, their misunderstanding, anything, Lord, just surrender that and your love will invade all of that. If you prayed that prayer, they'll give you some instructions, just some quick uh, numbers you can text to tell you what you can be doing next. And Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, because, Lord, you are 
a good God. You are so good. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord would bless you and keep you and he would make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray this week that you will find yourself more and more hungry for the presence of God. There's no place else on this earth like being in the presence of God. The Lord does not return before Wednesday. We pray that we will see you and your entire family Wednesday night at our Law Hill campus. God bless you. You couldn't do it for yourself. You've got to equally realize.